0: Fantastic. Well, good morning, Northies. It's great to be with you this morning and a special welcome to everybody that's dropped in, maybe for the first time via the internet. We welcome you and we're glad you can be with us. We've been talking over the last few weeks about a new way of living that Jesus inaugurated as part of the, the new covenant. And today we're going to continue with that on Pentecost Sunday. And what a perfect day to be talking about a new way of living by the Spirit. So we're going to pray and ask Jesus to help me. Because if if I don't, uh, you might not enjoy it. So, Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that uh, we remember today. Lord, we thank you especially that the Holy Spirit comes to help us. And, Lord, I thank you for the Helper today. I pray that you'd help me. And that, Lord, you'd create uh, an atmosphere, Father, of expectancy. And, Father, that you would bring the word alive to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said to the disciples... Do not leave Jerusalem, in reading in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 and 5, But wait for the gift the Father has promised, which you heard me discuss. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Around about probably seven 800 years before Christ, the prophetic voices started to speak about a new covenant. Uh, Jeremiah said there's, that God was going to make a new covenant with Israel. And then Ezekiel spoke of this this new season where God was going to put his spirit inside of the believers in Ezekiel 36 and 37. And then Joel speaking uh, said, And after this, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And, and, you, and you, you've no doubt read that. And um, old men will... Um, Uh, dream dreams young men will see visions uh, and even on my um, children sons and daughters I'll pour out my spirit and they will prophesy and so then we come to the day of Pentecost and this really is is quite significant this is the day of the birthing of the church because the church was going to be God's new covenant in the spirit And so this day, they talk about this day being the day the church was birthed. And so we read that um, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, when the day of Pentecost came, 50 days after Passover, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound like the blowing of a violent wind that came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So here was was this day, this day of Pentecost, when the Father's promise comes into the earth. Now it's really interesting... Pentecost was a day where they they remembered the giving of the law because not only was it 50 days after Jesus was crucified, but Pentecost came 50 days after Moses received the tablets on Mount Sinai. So that 50 days, that count of 50 days, the day of Pentecost in in the old covenant, we we think of it the day of Pentecost, uh, we remember the spirit. In the old covenant, the day of Pentecost was we remember the law. And so here we have this interesting connection because you've got on the one hand, the day of Pentecost being the remembrance of the law, the old covenant. And, and now in the New Testament, we have the day of Pentecost, remembering the spirit, the new covenant. Because Paul writes and he says, um, We've, uh, we're, we've now got no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the law, the new covenant in the spirit has come to set us free from the law of sin and death, which was the old covenant in the law. So we find the disciples are together. They're praying um, in, in the upper room and they experience this, this amazing thing, you know, something they'd never experienced before. And and um, all I can say, and I've shared on this before, but and I don't want to go into it because there's not time. But God came in such a way that traditionally and culturally they understood that He was there, because He came in the form of fire, which was which was so uh, ingrained in them right from their childhood. They heard the stories about the fire on the mountain and, uh, and the, the um, pillar of fire in the, in, the, in the night and the pillar of cloud in the day. And so they were very, very um, cognizant of the fact that this fire was linked with the Spirit of God. And so, what they saw was this great, this great fire, like tongues of fly, fire, come into the room, and then it said it's separated. Um, one of the other t- translations says distributed, but the Greek word has this, this kind of concept of it breaking apart and 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 it's like there was a pillar and then it all broke apart and the next thing they saw was these tongues of fire were were resting on each of their heads and so they had this very visual representation that the promise of the father was fulfilled because that that fire that fire of the holy spirit that they knew and understood so well was now resting on each of them and and god went even further because not only was there a visual sign of the fire there was a verbal sign they all began to speak in tongues they all began to prophesy as the spirit gave them utterance and so they they knew they knew this was something that was not them they hadn't wasn't something they just thought up and wasn't something that they just thought well we might just make some funny sounds and, and see if that flows you know they knew very much that it was God who was at work in them. And so right from the outset in this verse and we're gonna jump ahead to when um, Peter gets up to speak and he 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 gives them a sermon and he talks about Jesus and he says, This is what Joel prophesied. And uh, you know, you know how Jesus was put to death, and we want to tell you that he he rose from the dead, etc., etc., etc. And then we see this activity of the Holy Spirit working with them. And this is one of the things that I want to zero in on today: that part of the living in the in the um, new covenant, the living by the spirit is this sense of the Spirit with us and working through us. And so when they heard this, the Bible says, this is the the guys that were around, the the crowd, they came under deep conviction and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what must we do? So those who accepted the message were baptized and that day about 3,000 people were added to them or added to the church. And it goes on to say, that, uh, that the apostles were devoting themselves to, uh, the, the new believers were devoting themselves to the apostles teaching to the breaking of bread, to fellowship and to prayer. And so we, we, I've got four C's that I want to, I want to give us today. This, this work of the Holy Spirit. The first one was conviction. The Holy Spirit was there, convicting them through the words of Peter. And we know this to be true, because we can see it written in the Scriptures. It said they came under deep conviction. This was not just, "Oh, you've caught us out." This was something that was strong upon them, to the point where they said, "Brothers." what must we do now that tells us that they were convinced they knew they had to do something about this this wasn't a maybe we should ask if, if there's something we can do they knew because of that conviction because of the convincing by the holy spirit that they needed to respond to this and so jesus said uh, sorry Paul, uh, peter said to them repent and be baptised for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so there was then this converting. So it began with conviction. It continued with convincing. Uh, and then it went to converting. And all of us who have, have come to know the salvation of Jesus Christ have all experienced the work of the Holy Spirit in converting us from old creation to new creation. And then lastly, The fourth thing we see the the Holy Spirit working in us is through conforming, in him conforming us to the image of Christ. And we see this in verse 42, when they were devoted to prayer, etc. So how does this working with the Spirit, how does it work for us? Uh, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 5, He's he's looking back to the time where he shared the gospel with a Thessalonian church. And he says, for when we brought you the good news, this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5. When we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. Remember? Convincing. And you know, the way we lived among you was further proof of our message. So there was something about the character of the apostles and the way they lived and conducted themselves amongst them that gave further proof that the gospel was true. They were conformed to the image of Christ. And in fact, we know that because it says that the the Jews and the Pharisees, they recognised that these men had been with Jesus. There was something about them. There was something about their demeanour that made that so. And so... Jesus says you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. You'll be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Paul, writing later to the Ephesian church in chapter 5 and verse 18, says don't be drunk with wine because this will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill you and control you. It's both personal and purposeful. It's about being filled with the Spirit, filled with the nature of God, but also purposeful in that we're anointed to do some stuff. It's really interesting. Pastor Ray Stedman calls being filled with the Spirit the greatest secret of real Christianity. I've got a couple of quotes here that that, that are quite amazing. Charles Swindle, you you would have heard of him, famous um, radio and television um, preacher. He says, I don't know of a more important verse in the New Testament for the Christian than Ephesians 5.18. But be filled with the Spirit. This is a command, it's not a suggestion. It's an urgent imperative. That's the Greek Greek tense. It's not a casual option. John MacArthur, who's written many books, he, he echoes the importance of this doctrine. And he says, if we don't obey this command to be filled with the Spirit, we cannot obey any other. Simply because we cannot do any of God's will apart from the Holy Spirit. You know, there's over 1,500 commands in the New Testament. 1,500. And we can't do any of them without the help of the Holy Spirit. Commands like, love one another as I have loved you. How, how's that one be working out for you? Is that, is that easy? You found that easy? There's another one that says, husbands, love your wives. Well, that's easy. As Christ loved the church. Oh, okay, that's a bit harder. And, and we know there's all these different commands. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Bear with one another's burdens. All of these different things. And MacArthur says, you know, we are incapable Doing any of these without the Holy Spirit. Put simply, whenever we need, whatever we need to do in the Christian life, we need the filling of the Holy Spirit to accomplish it. And one of the sad things for us, I believe, as as churches and as the church in the modern the modern era, is that we've taken the message of grace and we've used it to excuse an unfilled life. We've used it to excuse a spiritless life. The church's greatest problem is not being filled with the Spirit. The church's greatest problem in the modern day, I believe, is living empty. Dior Moody says, God commands us to be filled with the Spirit. And if we're not filled with the Spirit, it's because we are living beneath our privileges. We're living beneath the thing that God has done. Remember Peter on the day of Pentecost, he says, repent and believe the gospel and you will receive the gift that the Father had given to us. It was so important that Jesus said, I've got to go. I'm going to go back to the Father and I'm going to send you another helper, the Holy Spirit, and it's better for you that I go. Because we find that now we have a comforter, a helper, an advocate who's with us 24-7. Uh, the Paul, Paul writes to the church in Corinth in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse 1. He says as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvellous gift of God's kindness, this filling of the Holy Spirit, and then ignore it. Another, another translation says, we beg you not to receive this gift of God without making use of it. And I believe the Holy Spirit's encouraging us today to find a, a, f- a fresh day of pressing in for the filling of the Holy Spirit. So how can we be filled? Pastor Ray Pritchard said, only God's Spirit can fill us. We, we have to ask him. It, it won't be accidental. But we need two things if we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Number one, we need emptiness. Because if there's so much self involved in us, then God has no room to fill us. But the other thing is, we need openness. You can't fill a jar that still has the lid on. Have you have you noticed that? You know, we need to be open so the Holy Spirit can come and fill us. There must be a sense of need. And I don't know about you, but I I have a sense a growing sense of need that we need to see the same kind of dimension that Paul talked about, that my gospel came to you with power. And the demonstration of the Holy Spirit, and you remember the lives that we lived amongst you. We didn't need to cover them over with a sense of the grace of God, because they were exemplary, because we were filled with the Spirit. And so, what I want to do just before I throw back to Luke, Joel, and Jess with a final song is, I want to pray. I want to give you an opportunity. I know I did this last time, but nobody can see you. You're in your living room. Why don't you stand with me? And I'm going to invite you to just do one thing. I want you to just hold up open hands uh, in a sign to say, God, I, I'm empty today and I'm needy and, uh, and I'm open. You know, there's something about this stand where we, we open our arms and we open our palms and we say, God, I, I come before you empty and needy and we're going to pray. Lord, we need your spirit more than anything else. Lord, you designed this New Testament life to be a life lived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, today we come to you afresh and we say, Father, we ask for the gift that you promised. Lord Jesus, we know it proceeds from you and you promised us this, that the Father is so good that he will not hold back anything from his children. If we ask for for an egg, he will not give us a stone or a viper. And Lord, so much more he went on to say, So if you ask for the Holy Spirit, God will make sure he gives it to you. And so this morning, Lord, we're asking for the Spirit to come upon us afresh and fill us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great week.